Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a bi-weekly podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what's up for today? All right, so today we have the... Uh, Some commentary on the Facebook testimony and congressional hearings that that happened, the the hearings that happened in the Senate and the House. And when this first came out, I was actually listening to it in the background just as an amusement, you know, because I was hearing all of the various ways in which Mark Zuckerberg was avoiding and answering questions and the ways in which the uh, Congress people were actually, you know, grandstanding and using all sorts of persuasive devices to actually communicate their points and to say things that really had nothing to do with Facebook, but that they actually just wanted to to have out there. And so one of the things that we're going to be discussing here is the idea of framing, which is what is the context that's built around a particular idea? And then the art of reframing, which is how can we change perceptions by putting an idea into a different context, into a different frame, into a different way of looking at it, and how is it that this is automatically being done. Um, And some of the background on this, you know, just so that you all know, is that what you're going to hear is both Republicans and Democrats who are going to be upset at Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, upset at Facebook in, in general. And, you know, when I was really thinking about this, you know, part of it is, is that the Democrats are mad at Facebook because of Cambridge Analytica and because, you know, Cambridge Analytica was uh, supporting Trump. And Republicans are then mad at Facebook because of and somewhat because of privacy concerns, because of things like, um, you know, the Tea Party conservatives and libertarians, for example, are going to be more focused on privacy. But it's also because of the liberal influence of Silicon Valley and Facebook being perceived to be uh, part of that. So it's a lot of fun. We have both parties that are upset at Zuckerberg about this. And we're going to listen to a couple of clips about this. The first clip that we're going to be listening to or the first set of clips we're going to be listening to is what I thought was probably the most interesting uh, part of it, which is uh, the questions coming from Ted Cruz. And, you know, Ted Cruz being a uh, uh, an attorney, having that as his background, has a very interesting way in which he, he goes about it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Mr. Zuckerberg, does Facebook consider itself a neutral public forum? Senator, we consider ourselves to be a platform for all ideas. Let me ask the question again. Does Facebook consider itself to be a neutral public forum? And representatives of your company have given conflicting answers on this. 
Are, are you a First well, Amendment speaker expressing your views, or are you a neutral public forum allowing everyone to speak? Uh, Senator, here's how we think about this. So what you hear here is that Ted Cruz being the lawyer is asking Mark Zuckerberg about a legal question, and he does this repeatedly through his conversation with Zuckerberg. He asks him about legal type of questions as if Zuckerberg is the, is the lawyer behind Facebook. And what Zuckerberg is doing is immediately you know, standing off of that, stepping aside from it. Ted Cruz asks him the question, and Zuckerberg says, well, let me tell you how we think about this, which is another way of not answering exactly what it is that Ted Cruz actually asked him. Yeah, and, and I love this because this is a really popular tactic, right, among, you know, politicians that go in front of the news cameras or, you know, in this case, congressional testimony. You know, Zuckerberg is going to be in a lot of trouble if he says a lie, if he says something that's not true. Or, you know, even if he says something that's, you know, maybe not that... Uh, palatable to the general public. And so his goal in this situation here is to say a lot of things that sound like an answer to that question, almost hoping that the congressman, in this case, Ted Cruz, senator, is going to get distracted, run out of time, or not be able to get to his, his precise point right there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that you put it really well there that there's two main goals. You know, one is not to incriminate himself for future things that might end up, for example, in court or, you know, might become the basis for some legal action against Facebook. And the number two is public perception. And so Zuckerberg has clearly been coached through all of these th points by his lawyer to be able to maximize the public perception of Facebook. And with the whole privacy thing, basically, to summarize it up, Facebook's stance has been, well, you get to choose about that. Hey, we messed up with some some stuff, but most of your privacy concerns, you get to control it. And it's it's in this way where he assigns the sense of control to the to the individual person. Let's go ahead and listen to the next clip. Well, Mr. Zuckerberg, I will say there are a great many Americans who I think are deeply concerned that, that Facebook and other tech companies are engaged in a pervasive pattern of bias and political censorship. Uh, there have been numerous instances with Facebook. In May of 2016, Gizmodo reported that Facebook had purposely and routinely suppressed conservative stories from trending news, including stories about CPAC, including stories about Mitt Romney, including stories about the Lois Lerner IRS scandal, including stories about Glenn Beck, in addition to that, Facebook has initially shut down the Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day page, has blocked a post of a Fox News reporter, has blocked over two dozen Catholic pages, and most recently blocked Trump supporters Diamond and Silk's page with 1.2 million Facebook followers after determining their content and brand were, quote, unsafe to the community. To a great many Americans, that appears to be a pervasive pattern of political bias. Do you agree with that assessment? So what you hear here is Ted Cruz's rhetoric ability. When you hear him at the beginning of that clip really going into his very hypnotic kind of speech, well, Mr. Zuckerberg, I want to tell you that there are a great many Americans who find... Now, who are those great many Americans that he is talking about? Who, who exactly is that? The, the language is... Um, what we might call artfully vague. 
And that, that artful vagueness is a real, um, it's a real touchstone of Trump as well and sort of what led him to be successful, being able to allow your mind to paint in all the possibilities that you know might not be what the speaker is referring to, or it might. And you don't really know, but you're not thinking about the fact that you don't know. And so then you assume that you know, and that sort of creates its own narrative in your mind. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, if you don't know it, then you're not knowing it. And so w- what's happening here is that, you know, when you listen to Ted Cruz, you have to remember this is a guy who has been a practicing lawyer who's been in front of juries. And so he knows the techniques of rhetoric and speech. Um, in fact, I think that he's one of the best politicians who actually demonstrates this consistently. Oh, definitely, yes. And so if you if you listen to some speeches of Ted Cruz, you know, even if he is clearly in a corner, he somehow manages to talk himself out of it, you know. And uh, what what he does throughout this this whole thing is utilize those rhetorical devices to great effect. And on the on the next part of it here, you're going to hear him starting to go with those rhetorical devices toward his actual cause, what he actually wants. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Would, so let, would me, let, me, wonder about. let me ask this now, question. Are, are you aware of any ad or page that has been taken down from Planned Parenthood? Senator, I, I'm not, but let me just... Uh, how about moveon.org? Sorry? How about moveon.org? I'm not specifically aware of those. How about cases? any Democratic candidate for office? I'm not specifically aware. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. In your testimony, you say that you have 15 to 20,000 people working on security and content review. Do you know the political orientation of those 15 to 20,000 people engaged in content review? And so I love what he's doing right here is that he sort of um, asks these questions that he's uh, almost presuming that Zuckerberg would know the answer to. When, you know, if we stop and think about it just a little bit, there's no way that Zuckerberg actually knows the minutia of all of these uh, ads that have been censored within his organization. So Facebook is a sprawling organization. But what it does is, is I love the, the sort of the back and forth here is that Ted Cruz is using this rhetoric to throw Zuckerberg sort of off kilter. So now he's on his on the defense and he's trying. He's forced to say that he doesn't know things, which uh, almost bring up a little bit of uh, of of um, doubt in the listener's mind to think, oh, maybe he doesn't know everything that goes on as an organization. Maybe he's not that smart. He's doing the typical lawyer thing, which is never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. And so Ted Cruz knows that there are only a certain range of responses that Zuckerberg is going to come back with. And he's purposefully asking questions that he knows that, you know, Zuckerberg is in front of this congressional committee. And so he has to answer a question, especially if he's forced to answer it. Um, And yet just the yes by Zuckerberg starts to build a case in the person's mind. And it goes like this. It's premise, 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 conclusion. Now, the thing about that structure is that, 
yes, if we look at it as a logical argument, we want the premises to lead toward the conclusion. And yet, just having that as a structure, a person can actually form a false conclusion inside of their mind. And it's the one in which the question asker, in this case Ted Cruz, wants for the listener to actually have inside of themselves. So as he's asking these questions of Zuckerberg, clearly the implication is is that, well, Facebook hasn't you know, blocked all of these conservative causes. And so clearly, Facebook must be against conservatives. When, you know, if we screened the data another way, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this that, you know, um, all sides, both Democrats and Republicans, are going to be mad at Facebook for thinking that Facebook is toward the other side. And so there's just, there's many ways of spinning this. Right, right. So... You know, in this situation, Facebook could very well have been blocking, um, you know, content that might have been pro-Planned Parenthood or liberal-leaning. But uh, Ted Cruz is trying to, you know, sort of falsely um, uh, equate Zuckerberg not knowing the the specific answers to these questions here with uh, Facebook nefariously targeting just Republican content. And it's sort of like a clever tactic that I think it's very easy to sort of gloss over, especially if you're already of that mindset that, you know, Ted Cruz is coming from. Exactly. And we, we've talked about this so much, so many times in, in this podcast that if you listen back to some of the past episodes, that we've, we've talked about this so much about how a person can be talking in a certain way and they, they make what they're saying mean something else. In other words, they make it equivalent to something else. They create meaning where meaning was not there. And it's a really key device that, that you're going to hear. Um, in this next clip, what you're going to hear Ted Cruz doing, this is actually something that was you know, quoted a couple of times uh, around the web, that he, he's going to be asking a specific question with Zuckerberg under fire in order to try to pressure him into a response. Listen to the tonality that Zuckerberg answers the questions with, and you're going to get a sense, though, of the state of mind that both uh, gentlemen were in. Let's go ahead and listen to it. So as CEO, have you ever made hiring or firing decisions based on political positions or what candidates they supported? No. Why was Palmer Lucky fired? That is a specific personnel matter that seems like it would be inappropriate to You just made to a here. specific representation that you didn't make decisions based on political views. Well, that I, can, I can commit that it was not because of a political view. Right here, I think that Mark Zuckerberg actually made his best performance of the entire, uh, of all of the hearings, because he was under a lot of pressure. He was dealing with a a trained lawyer and, and, and using trained lawyer devices. Okay, he waited until he waited until Zuckerberg was actually under the most pressure, and then right at that moment, he asked him a really specific personal question. It's kind of like if you have someone in your life who is really nosy, and they ask you a question that you know that you really don't want to answer, and it's kind of inappropriate to answer, but they ask it anyway. Okay, and you don't really know how to how to turn them down or how to turn that off. That's what Ted Cruz is doing right here. He's he's asking about this. Now, I understand why Ted Cruz pressed it at the moment he did, but if you listen and if you watch the the video of this, 
the way in which Mark Zuckerberg says no, he was very convicted at that moment. And so I think Ted Cruz actually picked the wrong moment to be able to to press this. Now, using that that technique, what he then does is, you know, Zuckerberg says, um, you know, it, it wasn't because of that. And um, Ted Cruz goes forward and he says, well, you just made a specific, you know, you made a specific representation that it was because of this. And what he's doing there is he's using what the person has already said to be able to entrap them in their language a little bit later on. Yeah, and it's uh, to zoom back out to, you know, the mindset of the two people here. We've got Zuckerberg, who's somebody who, you know, I think a little bit of his personality really shows. He's somebody who doesn't like to feel dumb, is used to maybe being the smartest person in the room, not used to answering questions, and certainly not used to answering to people who think that they're superior to him. And we've got him for, you know, hours in front of the Senate and the House of Representatives. And they are sort of, in this case, certainly trying to push his buttons to sort of whip him up into an emotional frenzy. And that's certainly what Ted Cruz is doing right here to get him to make mistakes, to get him to slip up verbally and then, you know, use that against him, just like Taylor said. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, logical or not, but being able to get him to say enough things that they can sort of build that, you know, illogical narrative around. Um, and that's sort of what you're seeing at play here. And I, I think it's really beautiful. And if, if you go back and do listen uh, and watch the videos, you can see the facial expression on uh, Zuckerberg's face. He's got these very tight, parsed lips. His, you know, he's he's constantly like craning his neck back, and he's really just displaying the the full gamut of sort of uh, defensive, impatient, and um, sort of physically uh, maybe disgusted and hostile, but holding all of that back. That's sort of. That's what I see in it. In and very well trained. You know, he's 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 definitely been trained through his through his lawyers and also through his time as the CEO and founder of Facebook to be able to hold back his emotions, to be able to not display all all of that. But, you know, on a body language level, he definitely lets a little bit of it slip if you actually watch watch the videos of it. Which is funny because every the narrative coming out of it was that he was the robot. Yeah, data um, from Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. And yet, um, I think if you look closely enough, you can really see that what he's doing is he's, he's, an, he's just so intentional about holding all of that back. Yeah, and I think he kind of, he played it a real smart way. Um, when Alex and I were first reviewing this clip, you know, I told Alex, I said, I actually think Zuckerberg did a really good job with this. You know, and I don't really mean that his answers were satisfactory or that they addressed the privacy concerns that people had, but I mean that he did a good job at not getting himself in further trouble and being able to kind of stay out of the pressure zone that a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, senators and representatives were actually trying to put him into. So on this next clip, um, we're going to be switching speakers, and this is going to be from Miss. Shakowski, and so let's go ahead and listen to this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. 
Uh, you know, you have a, a long history of growth and, and success, but you also have a long list of apologies. In 2003, it started at Harvard. I apologize for any harm done as a result of my neglect, 2006. We really messed this one up, 2007. We simply did a bad job. I apologize for it. 2010, sometimes we move too fast, 2011. I'm the first to admit that, we're made, that we've made a bunch of mistakes. 2017, this is in, in connection with the Russian manipulation of the election um, and um, the data that uh, was, uh, came from Facebook initially. Um, I, am, uh, I ask for forgiveness. I will work to do better. Um, so it seems to me from this history that self-regulation, this is proof to me, that self-regulation simply does not work. Um, I have a, a bill, the um, Secure and Protect Americans Data Act, that I hope you will take a look at. Very simple bill about setting standards for how you have to make sure that the data is protected, deadlines on when you have to release that information to the, uh, the public. Certainly it ought to go to the FTC uh, as well. So what you're gonna what you're hearing here from Ms. Schakowsky is a set of very selected, you know, apologies from Facebook. Well, of course, a, a Facebook is a huge company, and big companies make mistakes all the time. And she selectively she starts at 2003, which, if you're paying attention, is about 15 years of various apologies that Facebook has made, and she stacks them all together. As as a way of saying, well, these are all the reasons that Facebook is just apologizing again and nothing is going to get done and, you know, because they, they've been doing it. Well, I think it's really hard to be a big company and not apologize about anything for 15 <laughs> years. Don't you think so, Alex? Yeah, it's like she didn't even go into what the apologies were about. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's just, hey, I, I've got these things to apologize, you know, about. And, uh, you know, th there's just been a lot of apologies that have been made here. And this really could have been about any corporation on Earth. Exactly. And she just she uses it at that moment to make it about again, you hear that shift and this is what that means. She's making it about Facebook. And I really love the part at the end of there where she stacks all this evidence. And then she goes, by the way, I've got a bill to fix that. And you're going to want to look at this bill, <laughs> you know, my bill coming out. And it's really reasonable. It's OK. So she takes that opportunity to talk about her bill. And, right. What um, do all of these apologies have to do with that bill? Nothing. Only that she's sort of weaved this narrative. Exactly. And so she selectively makes it so that narrative makes sense to her people or to the people that are listening to her who think like her, but actually under a little bit more consideration uh, doesn't make much sense. So the next clip is going to be from John Kennedy. And what I really like about this is this is one of these kind of down south straight talker kind of guys and, you know, real heartfelt. And, and you hear it in the way that he addresses uh, Zuckerberg. Let's take a listen. I just don't feel like that we're connecting. So, so let me try to lay it out for you from my point of view. I think you're a really smart guy. And I think you have built an extraordinary American company. And you've done a lot of good. Some of the things that 
you've been able to do are magical. But our, our promised digital utopia, we have discovered, has minefields. There, there's some impurities in the Facebook punch bowl. And they got to be fixed. And I think you can fix them. Now, here, here's what's going to happen. There are going to be a whole bunch of bills introduced to regulate Facebook. It's up to you whether they pass or not. You can go back home, uh, spend $10 million on lobbyists and fight us, or you can go back home and uh, help us solve this problem. And you know what I love here? This is like uh, your uh, your father takes you out back, your grandfather takes you out back, and sits you down to talk about you know the bad thing that you just did, and uh, he's gonna right. he's gonna make you learn your lesson and pick the right path. Yeah, it's it, it's a very kind of you know he's got your hand his hand over your shoulder and he says you know son this is this is what you've been doing wrong and you know now we're gonna help you to to correct that. Um, you hear the metaphors here, you know, within John Kennedy's speech, there's, there's poison in the punch bowl. Our utopia is filled with minefields. Where does he come up with these metaphors? That, um, locker room coach sort of, uh, the affect him. Um, and what I really love about it too, is that he's now totally framed this entire thing. You've got two choices. You can do this. You can do what? Well, Zuckerberg's got a hundred choices. Zuckerberg's got a thousand choices. Um, but in the way that he's framing this, there are two. You can go this way or you can go that way. Which way are you going to go? Yeah, he's giving him a choice, perhaps a false choice. And he's saying to him, this is what's going to happen. And the thing that I think John Kennedy here does really well is that he starts off with, well, I don't really think we're connecting. And then he proceeds to, with his way of doing it, to connect with Mark Zuckerberg. And if you watch the clip on this, the actual video on it, you actually do see Zuckerberg soften in a way that uh, I don't think anyone else has been able to make him do up until that point. And so he gives him this this language that is, um, it reminds me of a almost like a therapy session. Okay, of a of a choice pattern of like, you know, well, here are the various choices in which you have, you know, but this is about you and you've got a choice to make, right? It's not about Facebook, it's about you. Right. You could almost hear a conversation like this in like an intervention. Um, you know, they sit you down for, you know, whatever problem you have, and uh you know, your 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 grandfather comes out and lays it down to you just like this. And so it sort of creates that sort of false relatability to the entire conversation. Exactly. All right. The, the next clip is going to be some, some more ideas uh, that happened here where um, a Senator kind of gets, gets Zuckerberg off of his, off of his um, uh, very calm collected place, you know, just for a second. Mr. Zuckerberg, would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um, <laughs> Uh, no. If you've messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged? Uh, Senator, no, I would probably not choose to do that publicly here. 
I think that may be what this is all about. So once again, you hear this idea of we're going to relate this down to your level. We're going to bring it down to earth and we're going to purposely get what they're trying to do is purposely get Zuckerberg off of his his sense of preparation and into an emotional place where they can then move him. And you can see sort of um, the the softening is that as he's saying this, uh, Zuckerberg's starting to smile and smirk a little bit while everybody else in the room is starting to laugh. And then at the end, he sort of, you know, tightens the noose and just kind of goes for it and is like, well, that's why we're all here right now. Exactly. And on on this next part, uh, what you're going to find is a, a segment from the representative Kathy Castor. And this is another one of the senators that's pretty upset with uh, with Zuckerberg. So you are you're collecting data outside of Facebook. When someone goes to a website and it has the Facebook uh, like or share, that data is being collected by Facebook, correct? Uh, Congresswoman, yes or no? That's right. That we that we understand in order to show which of your friends. Yeah. So for people that like don't even pay. have Facebook, I don't think that the average American really understands that today. Something that fundamental, and that you're tracking tracking everyone's online activities, uh, their searches. You can track what people buy, correct? Uh, Congressman, uh, Congresswoman. Uh, you're collecting I, that data, what people purchase I, online. I, yes I no? actually, if they share it with us, but Congressman, because it I, has overall, a share I, button, I, so it's 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 gathering. Facebook has the application. In fact, you patented applications to do just that. Isn't that correct? To collect that data. Congresswoman, I don't think any of those buttons share transaction data. But broadly, but I, they, I they track with you. The you want you're collecting medical data, correct? On on people that that are on the internet, whether they're Facebook users or not, right? Congresswoman, yes, we collect some data for And you're collecting, and uh, you watch where we go. What we have here is that um, this is a typical technique that is used by senators that are actually grandstanding. And there's, it's that, you know, isn't that correct? Isn't that right? Isn't that so? Isn't that so? Correct? Correct? So you, you hear her again pr- making an assertion and then really rapidly putting in that, isn't that correct? That's called a tag question, by the way. She puts that in right there at that end. And then she gives him like two seconds to respond before going on to the next point. Um, there's a lot of interrupting him that is that is going on here. And it's almost in a way, too, that um, that she's not really necessarily right about any of her points but just sort of forcing that yes or no out of him gets her to gets her to her next point and then also sort of whips him up into that emotional state where you know he looks like the person who's who's not um you know behaving himself in the situation you know he's not being humble and um or he's being evasive or really they're doing much more shady things and that he's avoiding actually answering the question she's uh whether right or wrong um, she's sort of forcing him into this box. Yeah, it's it's this it's the standard technique of really riling someone up with a set of pressing questions and you know making accusations, someone that almost anyone would get offended by or you know respond to. And then once they start to get a little bit emotional about it, seeing uh, looking at them and saying, "You see, that's why 
you know, X. That's why this is true. That's why uh, everything I just said is just accurate because you're responding to it when actually they're the ones who created it in the first place. So you hear here a lot of, you know, assertions, things she's things she's saying, you know, it, it it almost sounds a little bit like a conspiracy theorist type of thing, right? So Facebook tracks what you buy, you watch where we go, you know our medical data, it's like, whoa, <laughs> Facebook is the deep state <laughs> or something, you know? Right. Um, and th- there's actually a point in there where he actually says, no, that's not true. But then she just she goes, right, she cuts him off. She goes back to her other question and doesn't give him time to answer and then says, well, everything else is true and doesn't even address the fact that he just told her that, no, like one of her assertions was wrong. Yeah. And he actually gets so riled up about it. Uh, he calls her congressman at one at one <laughs> point and then really quickly corrects it. Um, but you can hear that he's been trained to deal with this by using those very broad generalized terms. So generally, you know, broadly, um, we collect some data, you know, the primary way that Facebook uses information. And then later on in this clip, she, he, he says that, and then she doesn't even wait for him to finish. She says, yes, that's the primary way, but the other way is, and then she goes on and makes her, her point. Right. Like she she knows full and well, just like, you know, the previous clips that he doesn't have time to explain all the technical nuance behind all of the you know tools that Facebook uses and is asking for extremely like technical questions. She's asking for technical answers and he doesn't have the time to give them to her in you know their totality. And she uses that as a way to say that they're being, you know, evasive and, and eluding the answers. And then she fills that gap in. So he could explain the full, you know, technical answer. She doesn't give him enough time to do that. And then she says, because you are not telling us the other reasons and the way that it actually works, I'm going to tell you how it actually works. And it works my way which may or may not be true. And you hear this all the time in these in these hearings uh, in in this one in particular that what it is is it's actually just a bunch of congress people making a lot of statements and a lot of remarks but they're making it as if they're not making those statements because they're interacting with Zuckerberg. And so they'll ask him a question but then they'll go off to explain what they were going to explain anyway. Right. Uh, You heard that earlier with Ted Cruz. Right. So he asks a question, but then he doesn't really wait for the response. He just wants to say what he's going to say. And it's as if pretending that that person's answer, which they didn't have enough time to actually articulate, is somehow relevant to the thing that they already had prepared. Right. And you know what I love about this, too, is. Uh, believe it or not, I used to to write the hearing questions for uh, for a U.S. Congresswoman, and um, w- w- these questions are not a surprise to the people in the hot seat. We had lobbyists come in weeks ahead of time. Uh, the questions would be exchanged between the two of them. CEOs would come in and meet with everybody ahead of time and talk everything through and try to work out disagreements. And then the next day, they all go to the committee room and act as though none of that happened. And now it's suddenly, you know, this big show of the back and forth and the and the gotcha questions. 
Um, and uh, it, it's sort of um, sort of fun to see the, the the circus of it all. But at the end of the day, he really has, has no reason to be taken aback by any of these um, questions or comments. He knew all of this was coming ahead of time. Let's listen to the next clip. This one is by John Sarbanes. Let me ask you, is it true that Facebook offered to provide what I guess you refer to as dedicated campaign embeds to both of the presidential campaigns? Congressman, I can quickly respond to the first point, too. Just say yes or no. Were were there embeds? I need to get to that because I don't have time. Were there embeds in the two campaigns or offers of embeds? Congressman, yes or no? We... Were there, were there embeds offered to the Trump campaign and the Clinton campaign? We offer sales support to every campaign. Okay, so sales support, I'm going to refer to that as embeds. And I gather that Mr. Trump's campaign ultimately accepted that offer. Is that correct? Yes or no? The, 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 the Trump campaign had sales support. And okay, the so they had, had embeds. I'm going, to, I'm going to refer to those as embeds. Oh, man, I love this. Yeah, is it embeds or is it sales support? <laughs> and even though you said it's the other, I'm going to keep on saying that it's my thing. Right. So I'm going to be calling those embeds, you know. It's like it's like so your name is Mark, right? You know, oh yeah, my name's Mark. Okay, I'm going to refer that to Ted. So your name is Ted, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we 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 just keep going with this sense of hey, redefinition of terms that what it actually means is an embed. Now, now he's asking you know, Zuckerberg that. Now, if Zuckerberg says, keep in mind the context here, if he says, yes, that's an embed, and then later on the idea of an embed, whatever that is, um, turns out to be something else, then that could come back on Facebook because they are going to make it as if it's something else. But sales support, well, it's supportive, isn't it? Right. The, the, the congressman here is sort of forcing his, um, his sort of framing through repetition by just saying it over and over and over again, hoping one of these moments that Zuckerberg might give up and agree with his premise, and then he's won. Yeah, he just keeps going with it, and you hear the same thing in terms of the interruption. He's going to keep interrupting him, and you know we don't have time. We don't have time. You just gotta, you gotta tell me what I, what I need to know. You know, isn't that correct? And isn't that true? And um, it's, it's almost as though Zuckerberg is, you know, on trial for something. And of course, he knew this, you know, coming into the, into the, uh, the situation. But the thing about it is, is that it's what he's being questioned about is not only linked to the issues that everyone is up in arms about. It's also about anything that anyone could ever have an issue with, you know, like Ted Cruz and the Palmer Lucky thing. You know, there's two sides of the coin to this whole Zuckerberg testimony. And on one hand, yes, he did a fantastic job in, in, um, it was clear there was a lot more that he wanted to say deep down he wanted to argue he wanted to scream he wanted to yell um but he's been trained otherwise and he's been you know very artfully coached to refer to them as sales support or um you know uh, sort of reframe his answers 
um, so that he's actually like, dodging the question. I think if you listen to a lot of the other testimony that we didn't play for you, he actually does a pretty good job at avoiding actually answering the question and sort of changing the terms of the conversation to be on his playing field. I think, on the other hand, these moments where they are sort of gnawing at him and he's able to, he starts stuttering, he starts, um, you know, making those mistakes. Those are the moments where I sort of question um, that preparation and the fact that he knew all of this was coming in the form that it was coming. Um, and then uh, on the other hand, just the sheer force of personality from the Congress people. Um, these are humans these are real, you know, people who came through the world and made their living by, you know, being this affable grandstanding, you know, grandfather type or, you know, uh, you know, the strong school principal, um, whatever it is. And their whole livelihood is built around building up this persona of standing up uh, to powerful people and and telling it like it is, or 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 you know, pulling the 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 woeful child out of hockey practice and telling them you know that they messed up, and how much of that personality actually influences them in their uh, in their interactions um, in these hearings is just beautiful to watch because this is their moment of fame. They've got fourteen minutes with Mark Zuckerberg, with the entire world watching. This is their moment to let that personality shine and then sort of use that charm to get that watchable moment out of Zuckerberg. Yeah, and they they continue doing it even in the face of him not giving them what they need. Okay, they, they want to make this a moment that everyone posts on Facebook that is shared with their constituents that ultimately helps them to get reelected or helps for the people watching them to feel like they're a good type of person. And you see the different levels of criteria that some of their constituents might have different from others, right? So what, what do Ted Cruz's, you know, people want him to do? Well, they want him to call out Zuckerberg on his, you know, um, anti-conservative slant. They want for him to, you know, hold him to task for that. You know, what what do some of the other um, Republican Congress people, people's constituents want them to do? Well, they want them to acknowledge how great of an American business that, you know, Facebook is um, or they want to acknowledge, you know, in, in some of the other um, situations, they want to acknowledge that, you know, Facebook has really played a big part in their lives. And, you know, what a great, smart guy Zuckerberg is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just. It's, it's kind of laughable in a certain way because they don't get to the point. You know, they, you know, as you said, it's like, you know, they're putting on a show or they're putting on sort of a circus where at the end of the day, what have we really learned through all of this? You know, it's, it's basically an advertisement for Facebook, you know, being there and the fact that they're in front of Congress. Well, maybe more people are going to, you know, flock to Facebook now. I can't really imagine a lot of this actually being bad for for Facebook, by the way. In fact, I think their stock actually went up um, after these hearings. Right. Yeah. It's sort of the um, the the goal is to just not do anything super embarrassing, not to really mess up. And um, if he can survive 
four awkward hours um, without saying something incredibly stupid, um, he wins. Yeah, and you hear through all of these the power of reframing, of how do you frame an issue, what is the perspective or light that you put that issue in, and then how do you reframe it, meaning someone comes at you with one thing, how do you change the meaning of it or look at it in a different way that they weren't originally intending, but that you know broadens or limits the scope of it, for example? Um, how is it that you do that? Reframing is an art form. Some people are naturally better at it than others. Others are um, learned, you know, much, they've learned to do it much more uh, than others. It's related to the idea in politics of spin, you know, like we put a spin on a topic, but it's more than just dodging questions. It's being able to actually look at ideas or facts in a different way than has been looked, than they've been looked at, you know, uh, prior. And being able to frame things or reframe them in a, in a certain way is one of the key tools to anyone who's going to be in a position of power, whether it's going to be the senators, whether it's going to be CEOs, the greater their ability to do that, usually the, the better they're going to be and, you know, they're going to be seen in these types of, in these types of forums. And so think about that um, as you go through your week, look at all the spots in your life where you end up in a, in a discussion, in a business meeting, in an argument, whatever that might be, and, and sort of think to yourself, what are the terms of this discussion? What are the agreed upon facts? And, you know, sort of what is the, what's the playing field that we're on right now? Um, and then what's a better, uh, more advantageous playing field that we could be discussing it on? And, um, Sort of, I think if you start thinking in those terms, then maybe your next business meeting, your next argument, your might dis- your next discussion, you can find ways to sort of uh, question the underlying assumptions that uh, everybody has, and sort of move the discussion onto you know your your assumptions. Pull a a Zuckerberg or a, a, a Ted Cruz, and um, and get them talking on your playing field. Yeah, and I will say this about the rhetorical points, which is that um, most people don't hear the vast majority of reframes that are actually offered to them. They don't hear them as different perspectives. It takes really a trained ear or a trained eye to be able to notice those types of things. So even if you think that you're already aware of it, unless you are a trained professional, meaning that you know, you're in some profession that has taught you to automatically to do this, or if you've just, you know, studied and read a lot, or, you know, if it's just because of your personality that you naturally do that, I would encourage you to listen a little bit more closely. All right, that's all we have time for today. And so make sure to visit our website at subliminallycorrect.com. Go on iTunes. Okay, this is important. Even if you use another podcast app or reader, Go on iTunes and rate us and review us. Uh, That really helps move us up in the rankings. And send us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And check out our Patreon page. And if you really like the content that we've been producing here, you can become a friend of the show. And that means that you're going to be getting the exclusive content that we have built in uh, just for Patreon supporters. All right. Tune in next time. We'll see you then.